We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. everybody steve with such for them coming at you with a topic that you might not have ever thought of in your life because you do it all the time three to four maybe more five times a day without even thinking eating and drinking and here's sally fallon did i get that right fallon Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of nourishing traditions i got the book photo right there down there too it'll be in the show notes for everybody which is kind of like the breaking the political correctness of how to eat and i'm an exercise science major i took nutrition class this is all different from what i was taught and paid for so i want my money back from usca <laughs> sally how you doing welcome and uh yes uh tell us a little bit about yourself uh, well thank you uh yeah, the book was something that just came to me one day and became kind of an obsession. And so I finally had to write it. Um, I had young children at the time, and I had read Dr. Weston Price's book, and I was bringing them up on his principles. Very high-fat, rich diet, lots of um, eggs, uh, cheese, butter, lots of butter. I was sneaking organ meats into their food <laughs> and cod liver oil. And um, I, I was proving to myself that this diet worked because my kids were a lot healthier than I had been. And the um, amazing thing was none of them needed braces. And I had needed braces. All my siblings had needed braces. So they had broader uh, dental palate uh-huh. than I had. And uh, then I got this idea to put Dr. Price's um, principles into um, a cookbook that people could access easily. And in the process of that, I came up with a lot of other principles that he didn't write about, but that we find in every traditional diet, like broth, uh, bone broth, like um, fermented foods and so forth. So the book took me, uh, let's see, about nine years to write. And I, I kind of never written a book before. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, it came out in 1996 uh, and just started selling. It was word of mouth. Now, this was so different from what everybody had been hearing. Um, so different from the um, 70 years of propaganda that we'd been getting from USDA. Uh, basically to make you crave processed foods. That's what the low-fat diet does. And um, it just kind of took off from there. And then my co-author, Mary Ennig, and I um, started the Weston A. Price Foundation in 1999. And that's taken off, too. It's just people are hungry for the truth. Yeah, Especially in such an important area of how we should eat. Yes, it's slightly important. Uh it's pretty important, yes, yes. Health-wise at all, I mean, just raw milk, you know, that's like a stigma. And it's I'm in North Carolina, it's banned here. Across the border, it's okay. So we go across Actually, the border. Actually, you yeah. can get raw milk in North Carolina as pet milk. Right. 
there are a few uh, people who are providing it. Um, we set up realmilk.com uh -huh. also, and uh, that was actually 1998. At that time, there were 28 sources of raw milk in the whole country. And now there's over 2,000. There's probably four or 5,000. We just don't have them all listed. So that's uh, been a huge movement. And I think we're going to, we're going to get some real breakthroughs, I think, because in most states, the dairy industry is disappearing. Mm -hmm. And when there's so few dairy companies, the industry just shuts the factories down. So then there's no place for them to go. And I think um, state regulators are seeing this now. They're finally seeing it. And we'll, we've seen in Maryland, where I am, we've seen that they've um, shown a lot more interest in raw milk recently. I admit I had the stigma. I remember hearing about going, no, nah, not not happening, because uh, mm -hmm. you get propagandized the whole time. We go yeah. down there, even when we bought it and tried it. I let, I, I was, I was, I don't know if I'm going to take this or not. But then, <laughs> that was even after reading what you said about how great it is. It still was. Yeah. I had to break through a wall just to have a sip. And yet, um, there's an article on our website called "The History of Bodybuilding." Uh -huh. And the early bodybuilders, that's what they used, was raw milk. What's, why is that so much better than what you get at Bilo or a regular grocery store? Well, uh, raw milk is very delicate, has a lot of delicate proteins, a lot of enzymes that help you absorb 100% of the vitamins and minerals in the milk, a lot of immune factors, um, a, components that help build a healthy gut, components that kill pathogens. Uh, I mean, it's designed for growth and development of a mammal. And no mammal has heated milk. They all have raw milk. And um, uh, so all that's destroyed when you pa pasteurize. And when you ultra-pasteurize, it's even worse, which most milk today is ultra-pasteurized. And so the uh, number of people who are allergic to store-bought milk is just rising all the time because they, they can't digest it. So we they're just thrilled when they find that there's a milk they can drink that they can digest. I actually found them from your uh, Find Milk site. And oh yeah, realmilk.com. Realmilk.com. We found the, the uh, truck, uh, Tucker Dairy Farm down south of us. And I'm one mm -hmm. of those that if I drink milk, it's gonna screw my insides up. But I, I take a cup of this and it's, it doesn't bother me one bit. Exactly, exactly. Uh, pasteurized milk is really hard to digest. And raw milk is designed to be easy to digest. Yeah, I remember Very one, of, uh, one of your friends calls it uh, nature's miracle drink or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, even staying on the drinking part, even water. Many people don't think about water. You talk about even uh, the not just purifying it, but putting refined salt in it to maybe... I don't yes, know. unrefined, unrefined salt. So you have minerals and, and so forth. So what, we shouldn't drink just plain water. And in traditional cultures tried not to drink just plain water. So they made um, these uh, fermented, lacto-fermented uh, beverages. They drank broth. The American Indians thought it was unhealthy to drink water. They boiled bones in their waters and drank that. So I think the the intuitive wisdom was that you always want to have some minerals and other things in your liquids. Speaking of bone broth, that's actually made with real bone. Yes, yes. Now bones with a lot of um, 
uh, cartilage and collagen attached to them, like knee bones or <laughs> whatever. And um, yeah, because what happens when you cook the bones, the the collagen melts into the water. So bone broth is just melted collagen. And that nourishes your own collagen. That nourishes your joints and tendons and the collagen under your skin, the collagen lining your digestive tract. And we, you know, we eat meat all wrong in this country. We eat lean meat and um, uh, that's actually very toxic to eat lean meat. You wanna eat meat with the fat and with the bones. And the bones, of course, you get in your gravy or your sauce made from bone broth. Yeah, again, like I said, it just, again, I was in a class where it told you the opposite of all this stuff. Oh, yeah, the skinless chicken breast. That's the, you know, the darling of the, um, uh, you know, the nutritionists and so forth. There was a section in Dietitians, about I want to say the darling of the dietitians. Yes, yes. <laughs> There was a section where you talked about meat just a minute ago where was there an experiment when they, they took away meat uh, from a uh, basically the hoi polloi and the elites ate meat and it showed that the people shrank. Well, when you don't have enough meat and calcium and, and well, when you have a deficient diet, uh, people get shorter with each generation. Uh, a, a good, um, you know, alternate example is the Dutch after the war. They were short people. And then they suddenly had a good diet, and the Dutch eat lots of milk and cheese, and they eat organ meats and all the good things. And now they're the tallest people in Europe. I mean, the average height of a woman in Holland is five five foot eight. Yeah. Really tall people. The people are wondering what's going on, because I, I post our photo that I was reading this book, and everybody was going, why are you reading a cookbook? <laughs> the first couple chapters talks about fats and it's four or five pages of fats and what six pages what mm -hmm. are they why are they useful what should you not have what should you have and it gets into vitamins minerals carbohydrates proteins beverages this is yeah. a plethora of information that we have forgotten as a basically a species on what normal what we used to do normally right Right. And normally people ate the fat on the meat and they drank whole milk. They had whole cheese. And those fats are mostly saturated fats. And I take a long time explaining why saturated fats are so important in the body. In fact, if you don't eat enough saturated fats, your body needs them so badly it has a backup plan. And that plan is to make fats out of carbohydrates. And so if you're not eating enough good fats, you will crave carbohydrates. Um, the problem is if you're making the fats from carbohydrates, it uses a lot more energy, but you're also not getting the vitamins that you normally get in fats. You know what we were taught in school? If you eat fat, it'll just turn into fat. Yeah, and that's exactly the opposite is true. If your body is going to make fat one way or the other, if you're not giving it to them and the carbohydrates are what put on the pounds. Uh, also, uh, too much protein will make you gain weight. The USDA did some studies with pigs back in the 40s, and um, pigs have very a digestive system very similar to humans. And they found that if they gave the pigs whole milk, they would stay, they stayed lean. They would not get fat. But if they gave the pigs skim milk, then they got fat very quickly. And so today, what do we give our children in school? It's fat-free milk. 
It's the worst thing we could possibly give them, and it's making them fat. And also in that fat-free milk, you have a lot of um, MSG is formed because they add powdered milk to it. Mm -hmm. So, And MSG makes you fat. So it's just a recipe for making our kids fat is the fat-free milk in schools. Yeah, you mentioned that with the kids with the pizza, the fast food, the sodas. Yeah, and then, you know, um, it's kind of a Spartan lunch they get, but they go to the vending machines or after school they go to the corner shop and eat ice cream because their body is so craving for fats and then they're getting all the sugar. But if they just had butter every day, they wouldn't crave the fats. Again, this is something we used to do, and it's is it is this more something like you have to not just be cognizant of it, but you have it's uncomfortable to do because it's so easy to go down to the store to get X Y Z, and it's a little bit yeah. harder to go find the good stuff. Yes, it's very hard to find the good stuff. You have to make an effort to find the good stuff, and uh, what we've done at the Weston A. Price Foundation is try to make it a little easier. Uh, we have, for one thing, <laughs> we have a shopping guide where we name brand names and give contact information and so forth. Huh. But also, we have a chapter system where you can call your local chapter and they can tell you where in your neighborhood to get the raw milk, the good butter, good eggs, and so forth. But yes, this way of eating takes a little bit of thinking, a little bit of effort. Not a lot, but it does take some um thinking, you know, and, uh, but people feel so much better after they get on this diet and they have so much more energy. It's worth it. There was a thinking segment that you had towards the, uh, was, I think it was the closing thoughts about, uh, no, no, it was the allergy, uh, section Oh yeah. that, how can you tell if you're allergic to the food and you were at, you were saying, be cognizant of your blood pressure, your blood, uh, your heart. Oh, well, yeah. You measure your pulse actually. Yeah, Yeah. It's really the best way to determine an allergy. All these tests are gives too many false positives, but the best way, let's just say you think you're allergic to eggs. Okay, so you don't eat eggs for three or four days, then you eat some eggs, and you measure your pulse just before you eat them and then 10 minutes after. And if your pulse has gone up, it's a sign that you're allergic to the eggs. It's a very easy way of determining allergies. Yeah, that, uh, see if you uh, haven't, you know, like your your throat got a little hoarse, uh, uh, maybe your temperature went up a little bit, you feel, feel a little different. Yes, well, the pulse, the pulse will tell you. That was the main one? Yes, yes. And then eating right like this keeps you that healthy idea. You're, you're not a, you're not a, up for more of the illnesses that are going around, I guess. Well, you know, I don't make any claims yeah, to cure, immune, cure all but, illnesses, yeah, yeah. but I do think that um, 80% of our health is food, comes from the right diet. And then, you know, the creator has given us all these other herbs and homeopathics and remedies uh, and even allopathic medicine sometimes, um, chiropractic. We have all of these other modalities that help us with that last 20%. But it's, they're kind of useless if you're not eating properly. Yeah, I mentioned that. I was talking to somebody else going, yeah, if you're not eating right, you're eating poisoned food and drinking yeah. water with bad water, you're not going to – the other stuff doesn't matter. You can work out exactly. as much as you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, it probably is not good for you to work out if you're not eating properly. 
then helps you sleep better. It's the circle of life, right? I mean, literally yes. what you put in your body is going to make every your met your even thinking, being able to concentrate, focusing on something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your brain is a part of the body. It has to be nourished. And the brain needs a lot of fat and a lot of cholesterol to work properly. Well, I thought cholesterol was bad for you. Yeah. Again, again, that's uh, another message from this book that uh, we don't have to worry about our cholesterol levels. Um, Food with cholesterol in it is good for us. Uh, It's just a whole phony story to sell drugs. So what are some myths that you bring up that we are conditioned to say, like carbohydrates, we are are, uh, uh, cholesterol. We can't have cholesterol. We can't have cholesterol. We shouldn't have fats. We shouldn't have fats. We kind of stay with raw milk. What are some other myths we've been taught since we were wee lads that are actually not true? (laughs) Well, I think the worst myth is that vegetable oils are better for you than animal fats. Uh That is a myth that's actually killing us. Now, the veg- by vegetable oils, I mean the um, industrial seed oils, corn oil, soybean oil, cottonseed oil. 80% of it is soybean oil. And um, people are using these toxic oils instead of the traditional animal fats. So, uh, and these toxic oils cause cancer. They cause endocrine disruption. The uh, soybean oil is loaded with estrogens and it's causing all kinds of gender confusion, all kinds of uh, things that make just make people unhappy. And um, so that I always say that's the first thing you can do is stop using these vegetable oils, stop eating anything that has them in it, and use butter and cook in lard and, and use the animal fats instead. And people often, thats they just do that one thing and they feel better. Yeah. They have more energy. Um, they can think more clearly. They sleep better. And just like we talk about having solutions, we bring up problems, we have solutions. At the end of your chapters, you give up uh, ideas to buy things. Like uh, if I can find it again, I had it marked and I, I dropped it beforehand. There's a syrup that was made in the South. It, Sorghum? Sorghum syrup? I, I think it was. I ended up buying it immediately when you wrote up going, this is a substitute for regular syrup on pancakes or waffles. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. It's maple syrup or sorghum syrup. Yes. I'm always shocked when I go into the supermarket and see all these sugar syrups. I, I just can't imagine that any mother would let her children use those things. They're just so awful. They're made with high fructose corn syrup, and they have additives in them. And why not just use what nature has given us? We have sorghum syrup. We have uh, maple syrup. Yeah, and that was a sorghum. You even bring up how how rich in minerals it is, how good yes. it is for you, whereas yes. you compare the other one. Yeah, I mean, the natural sweeteners are good for you in moderation. Yeah, right, I'm not right, saying right. everything in moderation. All yes. the time. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, I mean, I'm just going, I'm reading the solution part, and I'm just putting, I'm putting that in my order going, all right, I'm getting this, I'm getting this, I'm getting this. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to throw this out. We got to get this. I mean, I, like I was telling people, I was telling Sally beforehand, so I'm a real, I'm a skeptic I'm all, on everything. But when, mm-hmm. I find, when I was reading this, it all made sense. I'm going, right, we got to try this. We got to try this. Get rid of that other stuff. Get rid of the ketchup. And we'll find, what was it? Yo mama's ketchup. That's yeah, actually there's always real good tomato. substitutes. So the other thing I think about nourishing traditions, uh, I mean, one one big message is that you need the animal fats 
you need the fat soluble vitamins, you need to eat some organ meats, liverwurst or scrapple or whatever, you need organ meats. But the other, the other big message is about digestion. Uh-huh. And I think uh, mine is the only cookbook that really talks about making your foods easier to digest. And when your foods are easy to digest, I mean, you're going to feel better and you're going to have more energy. So, for example, I talk about proper preparation of grains. Uh, Grains are very hard to digest. We just don't have the digestive apparatus to break down grains. But all traditional cultures had special preparation methods that they did to the grains before they ate them. So they'd be easier to digest. And the perfect example is a true sourdough bread. Uh which is a fermentation process that breaks down all the difficult uh, components of grains and makes the bread easier to digest. Uh, Bone broth helps you digest things uh, more easily and also um, the fermented foods. Uh, Salt is critical to digestion. And if you're not eating enough salt, and of course we recommend unrefined salt with all the minerals in it, uh, you're gonna have trouble digesting things. Because the other one might have aluminum in it, right? Yes, the refined salt contains aluminum, plus all the good uh, trace minerals have been taken out of it. Yeah, it was, I, that was a lot of the trace mineral uh, section was fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, raw meat. Uh, raw fish. <laughs> raw food. Yeah. Uh, so your vegetables and your grains should be cooked mostly. I, I mean, some salad vegetables are tender enough to eat raw, but in, in general, most vegetables should be cooked. And I'm talking about things like kale, which is very hard to digest if you don't cook it a long time and eat it with some fat. But uh, in every culture that I can think of, some of the animal foods were eaten raw. The animal foods were eaten raw and cooked. So I do recommend uh, some steak tartare every now and then or carpaccio or raw milk, raw cheese is a raw animal food. Yeah. Because, yeah, you mentioned if uh, you don't eat anything raw, you could have the, you know, other cultures uh, went this way or that way, depending on where they were or where your inhabitants of this is reflected on your diet. So you don't have to strictly have it. But I know people are like cooking a steak like it's a hockey puck. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want the uh, rare meat if you can. It should be pink. Mm-hmm. Where do you go with, I mean, you see, you probably see it too. So what, I mean, this is a softball. The soy burger stuff, the fake meat movement that's coming out where, you know, almost they want to get rid of the meat and they want you to eat this fake stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, They don't want to eat that way. Right. They, you know, but they want us to eat that way because then we're more easily controlled. But um, uh, Nourishing Traditions was the first book that came out to warn people about soy. And two things about soy, it's uh, very, very hard to digest and causes all kinds of digestive problems. But secondly, it's uh, very high in these isoflavins, these are plant-like estrogens, uh, that cause two things. One is they cause thyroid problems, and two, they cause endocrine disruption. And giving a baby soy formula during this critical first six months of life is a real disaster because... Baby boys have testosterone levels the same as an adult male for the first six months of life. And that programs the baby to express male characteristics at puberty. And if you give the baby soy formula loaded with estrogens, this is going to be 
uh, interfered with. Let's let's put it like that. Yeah. Uh, when we came out with the book, the soy industry was just gearing up to really flood the country with soy products, and uh, it didn't happen because people spread the news that soy is really uh, dangerous food. And they were, I think they were um, saying that by 2020, it would be 8 billion in sales. It was only 4 billion in sales. And most of that is going to prisoners and nursing homes and things because the public doesn't want it. So, um, you know, that's one good thing that happened from nourishing traditions. Now, they kind of retreated. They're licking their wounds because we really, you know, we really kind of ruined their they're they're fun and now they're coming out again with a big push so uh i think it's the impossible burger yeah yeah that's the one made with soy right yeah Gen- genetically modified soy full of roundup and then they figured out a way to make it look more like meat it kind of bleeds a little bit they do this with beet powder yeah that was weird i remember seeing that and i mean they're truly grotesque things and this is supposed to be better than meat. And um, there, this stuff actually is not selling. I think they're going to lose their shirts again. But the really uh, weird one is lab meat, uh-huh. where they have uh, meat cells and they feed the meat cells and the meat cells keep multiplying. And so this is called lab meat or cultured meat. What are they feeding those meat cells? They feed them something called um uh, bovine fetal serum bfs and that is the blood that is taken from a, the fetus uh just before it's born they kill the mother and use her for hamburger and then they pull the fetus out while its heart's still beating and suck all the blood out and that's what they feed this um lab meat with and when they're telling you no animals killed to produce this lab meat they're absolutely lying because they do kill an animal for this in the most grotesque and painful way. So the whole thing is built on a lie. And plus, oh, they have to use antifungals, antibiotics. Uh, I, I mean, it's just it's just so gross. You can you can hardly imagine how anyone would, would think that this was economically viable. Yeah, we'll sit there and watch uh, Shark Tank every so often, and. There's always somebody that comes in with some kind of soy thing or or uh, oh is that right vegan yeah. this vegan that and they're like oh yeah well you just made a chicken that tastes like chicken that isn't chicken this is so good we wish that we should get rid of all the other chicken for this let's spend you know give you five hundred thousand dollars for this but if you just raise the chicken right yeah well the truth is for the industry there is not a lot of money from animal foods the the profit margin is much smaller than for plant foods. Just to give you an example, a restaurant serving a steak, 50% of the cost of that meal is the steak. Uh Uh, If they're serving um, a vegetarian dish, it's about 25%. And if they're serving a muffin made with white flour and sugar, it's about 10%. So there's a big push to make you eat vegetarian, vegan foods, muffins, things like that, because the profit margin is so much higher. Always follow the money. Also, if you compare butter with ice creams, the profit margin from that butter fat in ice cream 
it is way, way higher than the profit margin from serving butter. So what's the gist? What happens? They take all the butter fat out of the milk. They justify uh, serving skim milk to growing children who really need that fat uh, by saying that it'll make them fat, which is not true. And then all that butter fat goes into ice cream where they make a bigger profit from it. And people eat the ice cream sometimes by the tubful because uh-huh. they're so craving the fats that the body needs. And you mentioned brain, uh, brains uh, shrinking, uh, lesions. Yeah, I mean, your brain needs cholesterol, it needs saturated fat. There's another fat that you only get from animal fats called arachidonic acid. And 11% of the brain is arachidonic acid. And if you don't get that, your brain says it's not going to work either. It's- so it's, it's a kind of genocidal uh, diet that we're um, pushing. And I think it's kind of uh, shameful that the richest nation on earth can't even feed a nutritious diet to its growing children. So if we're growing at our own house, there's even tips about uh, strengthening the the soil too, right? It's just that you just don't throw something in and just start tilling it. You got to, there's an art to that too. Yes, yes, there is. Well, and manage grazing, which is a way of raising animals. So you move them every day Uh and it makes your soil a lot more fertile and um, the meat's, um, you know, much better for you. I heard yeah, there was a guy that a uh, court report had a guy on. He was talking about how he every day he moves the he like he had a du- he had ducks he had a pool a fake pool with ducks yeah and then he would dump the water out one day and then move that pool for another section yes leave it yes. for a couple of days dump it out yes yeah and we have a farm my husband and I have a farm we do that with our chickens mm-hmm. uh, not so much the pigs the pigs are in the woods but the cows we move every day. And if you were looking for meat raised this way, pasture-raised meat, you would just call your local chapter leader and they'd tell you where to get it. Yeah, I'll have that all in the show notes underneath. Just click underneath, click the link. It'll go to all the sites. And definitely, at least if you don't, if you haven't had this, I don't know if you have this book or not, get it. Get it for your family. Thank you. Um, it you know, might- it's kind of f- funny. Um I don't know if it's COVID or what, but the last year the sales have been really strong. And this is after 20 years. The book's been out 20 years. And really? it's still selling, yes. Well, my wife knew about it for a while. I saw it. I think I bought the second book you guys put out or a- another one. Uh, maybe it was the children's book. And she goes, oh, yeah, well, I, we got the other one right here. So I've seen yeah. it on the stand. And then I finally I was telling her beforehand, I made it a point after reading another book that her and a doctor friend of hers wrote, because I'm not trying not to get kicked off YouTube. (laughs) And it mentioned this book quite a few times. So I'm going, Uh let's give it a shot. Let me try it out. And uh, Mm -hmm. it will change your life in the, uh, in a good way on how to eat and drink. Well, thank you. I mean, a lot of people have said that. So I appreciate your saying that. Well, thank you, Sally. And uh, again, it's nursing traditions. Uh, again, underneath the show notes, check it out. Is there, do they, can people contact you? I know you got a blog. Okay, so I have a blog, which is nourishingtraditions.com, uh-huh. and you can contact me through the blog. And then the Weston A. Price Foundation, westonaprice.org, and we do a journal. We do the shopping guide every year. Uh-huh. If you're a member, you get the shopping guide. Um, 
it's a huge website. And recently we've been focused on COVID and what really causes this, as you know, in the contagion myth, we have a different theory. I know. <laughs> I, like that. I thought it was a great book, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, well, Sally, thank you for your time. Th and uh, Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you again and uh, take care. Okay, bye-bye.